Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. We appreciate you being here, amen, so much so. Proverbs 24, Proverbs 24, and I want to read just a, a few verses in Scripture. Amen. And I'm addressing the church today. Amen. And whenever I say church, I'm not just talking about First Apostolic Church. I'm addressing the church. Amen. Today. Proverbs 24, starting with verse number 11, if you will, this morning. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, Thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not. Doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? He that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? Amen. If thou forbear to deliver those drawn to death, those ready to be slain. This morning I want to minister along this line, indicting the church indicting the church amen this is not something uncommon in scripture amen let's go to the lord in prayer right now father i come to you i'm asking oh lord jesus that you would help us today god i pray oh lord each and every heart mind and soul god we need lord jesus you to god to let your holy ghost just flow through this place god speak and minister lord to those that are here God, strengthen, Lord, and equip those, Lord, that are not here. I pray, O oh Lord, today, Jesus, your word, Lord Jesus, for the church in this hour. God, I do not want to fail. I do not, Lord Jesus, want to subside. God, from the call, from the duty, Lord Jesus, that you have placed upon us. God, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, for what you do in this place. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Everyone say amen. Indicting the church. You may be seated this morning. The word indict means to bring a formal accusation against. As a means of bringing the trial. To charge with an offense or crime. Accuse of wrongdoing. Castigate. To criticize. And I don't want you to be just kind of taken back by my title. And think well bless God who does he think he is. Uh, that's not my purpose today. But the idea of the church being indicted again is not a new concept. It's not a new concept. In the book of Revelation, the Lord had John to pin some words and some things to the angels or the messengers of seven churches. And in a few of those dictated writings that John wrote as he was inspired by the angel of the word of the Lord, John recorded that the Lord had somewhat against a church. Or in another place, the scripture says that he had a few things against a church. So just to make you feel comfortable that I'm not in, the, in uncommon ground here, uh, the Spirit of the Lord had his messenger in that day to say that uh, the Spirit of the Lord had somewhat against the church or a few things against the church. And so the language, I believe, is very clear. As in a certain degree, there was some accusation, some type of indictment that was against the church. For that matter, most of the New Testament writings and the scriptures concerning we call the epistles uh, would not have been uh, written for the most part. They're written to churches, to groups of people. 
to people themselves, most of them would have never been written had it not been for some problem in the church. So, uh, I mean, uh, probably a good two-thirds of our New Testament would even be in our hands if it wasn't for some indictment or accusation that was against the church or among the Christian people. Uh, it, we for no means can take for granted that just because we were purchased with some flawless blood doesn't make the church flawless. If anything, it just makes us valuable to the owner that he would use flawless blood to purchase a flawed church. Amen. And any time he points out or recognizes or underscores a flaw in his church, all that is telling us and him is this, there's just an attribute that needs to be restored. There's just an attribute that needs to be touched up, if you will, a little bit. There are certain aspects the church is responsible for without doubt. We can glean from the scriptures. There are some things that the church undoubtedly is responsible for. The church, as if I could refer to her as a she and gender, as uh, the Bible tells us, she is responsible for true worship that the Father seeks. The church is responsible for that. She is answerable as the early church was, right after them being filled with the Spirit in the book of Acts 2. She is responsible to continue in the apostles' doctrine. That's the responsibility of her. She is responsible to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. She is responsible to, according to the scripture of Acts 2.42, that she is responsible for prayer. The church is responsible for prayer and so likewise through God's word we understand that the church must be a student of the word of God and that the church must allow that word of God to instruct us to live and somehow emulate godly lives after the Lord Jesus Christ that we are accountable the church is for bearing one another's burdens I read in New Testament scripture and but some of the echoing last words of Jesus to the church were that she must evangelize the world. So she must pray, she must be a student of the word, she must have fellowship, she must be without doubt breaking bread and keep to the apostles' doctrine, but she must likewise evangelize the world. And at times as the church, whether we be individually or collectively, we sustain no doubt false accusations, haven't we? just as much as she's had truthful accusations to truth uh, the church has had some false accusations against her some false claims against her no doubt the enemy of our soul who is called in the book of revelation the accuser I think sometimes has some handiwork at that bringing false accusations and claims upon the church but in revelation to those seven churches in here in Proverbs God has sent a charge indicting the church and beyond a call on the natural realm, it's a call to the spiritual realm. There's a call to the church in these verses that I read to you this morning to reach those drawn to death and to those that are ready to be slain. It says, if thou forbear, or if thou withhold, or if thou restrain, or hold back, or refrain to deliver and don't, that we are chargeable. In other words, we can't turn our heads from the reality of those conditions of someone drawn nigh to death or ready to be slain. For that matter, he says, if we ignore the fact we are indeed forbearing to deliver. 
If we don't engage in the deliverance occupation of those souls of men, our God knows, he says, if we have purposely ignored or purposely overlooked or purposely disengaged from this task. And God will reward the church, if I could say this morning, according to our works. I believe scripture is very explicit concerning this idea or concept of evangelizing the world. The Bible tells us that a man liveth not to himself and dieth not to himself. That we are not our own, we are bought with a price. That every man is not to look upon his own things, but every man also upon the things of others. We are to take consideration more than just ourselves. John said, if you see a brother in need and shutteth up your bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God dwell in that man? And yet some of the heaviest words of scripture that were not injustice, they were not that you didn't do right, but you did not do you for bear someone say amen in the scripture of Matthew the unprofitable servant that we read of in the parable the man who failed to do good with the means at his disposal that was the unprofitable servant the man who failed to do good with the means at his disposal and that man not the man that did something he shouldn't have done but the man that refrained from doing or bore from doing what he should have done is the unprofitable servant that the Bible in the parable states that man will be taken and pushed to outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth because he forbore. The custom of Proverbs 24, there was a custom among the Jews that whenever a man was being led to an execution of sort, that there would be a crier or a, held, a heralder that went out before him in this procession. And that heralder or that crier would publicly be proclaiming, if any man have anything to offer, if any man has anything yet to show the innocence of the accused that is coming behind, any circumstance of extenuation that you can present or testimony to give to his character, if you could declare it now, the judges are sitting. The, profession, the procession of execution will be stopped if you can voice something or say if anything new in the form of evidence or testimony can be heard, the execution will be stayed and will hear the matter. That is the custom for the Jews and that is what we're speaking of in Proverbs 24. That's the reason why he said if any man forbear to deliver, there's a, there's a man or a group of people being led to the execution but if you got a testimony, if you got an evidence if you have something that can be said or something that can be offered, we'll hear the matter, even extenuate the execution. It might not even happen if you got just cause and evidence. I come to declare that the church needs to be those that are, if you will, jumping out of the crowd as they're walking by with the souls of men and women to their execution because I have a testimony. I have evidence. Somebody's already taken their charge. Somebody's already died in their place. Somebody's already sustain the wounds for their wrong. Someone say amen. The indictment against the church is not that we strike a standing brother down, but that we fail to raise a fallen brother up. Someone say amen. The charge to the churchy folks, 
The charge to the churchy folks in the Good Samaritan story of Luke 10. A certain man goes down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He falls among thieves. The thieves strip him. They wound him. They leave him half dead. And the priest comes by. And the Levite comes by. The churchy folks come by. And they restrained to help. They refrained from delivering. They forbore from yielding a helping hand. And our scripture setting says, if thou sayest, behold, we knew it not. Or in the Latin version it says, we knew him not. If thou sayest, behold, we knew it not. Or in the Latin version, we knew him not. Doth he that pondereth the heart consider it. Well, I don't know them. I don't have no acquaintance with them. I have no friendship with them. They're not a part of my family. The issue for the church is not whether or not we know them. It's not whether or not they're related to us. It's not if I work with them or if they're my neighbor. The issue is this. There's someone drawn to death. There's somebody ready to die. And I cannot forbear as the church from yielding a hand of help to deliver them. Someone say amen. amen. Dante said this. He said the hottest places in hell are reserved for those in times of great moral crisis that maintain their neutrality. Just be neutral. The issue is not if I knew it. If I, I, it's not I knew it not. Because when we look around us, I believe the church can see as God sees and we see dying people. A dying race. And in that day, ignorance will not be accepted for innocence. Ignorance will not be accepted for innocence. The nations in New Testament scripture, they did not feed, nor clothe, nor visit Jesus, him, in those different persons of distress. They might have thought, well, I didn't know. If I knew it was you, Lord, I'd taken care of it. But their ignorance was not innocence. He said, I came to you and I was hungry and you fed me not. I came to you and I was wounded. You didn't do anything for me. You didn't visit me when I was in prison. But, you know, Lord, if we knew it was you, we'd taken care of it. He said, no, no, that's beside the point. Oh, someone say yes. Because humanity being made in the likeness and the image of God, we should see everybody as a vessel of him. Mm-hmm. Someone say Amen. The Bible, even though yet, although there are some that did not feed and did not clothe and did not visit him, there are also other occurrences that just say the same. Amen, that people forbear. Amen, or people withstand, or people refrained. But where there are all those instances, there are other instances where people acted, where people took note. The Hebrew midwives and Esther herself delivered their own people that were drawn unto death. The Bible speaks that Reuben, his very own brother, amen, delivered Joseph from the pit. He's close to death. Jonathan saved David's life at the risk of losing his own life. Obadiah, the Bible says, hid the prophets of the Lord Daniel. Amen. Preserved the wise men of Babylon when he could have had their heads up on a platter if he so desired. Paul's nephew delivered him by informing him of a murderous plot that was against him. But he said, no, I can't just close my eyes to this information and plug my ears as though I never heard it or knew it. I got to do something about it. I must take action. 
and we can close our ears and plug our ears and close our eyes and find ourselves a cave and let me tell you society's telling us what's going on we hear it loud and clear we can't go to be a hermit somewhere and say well I never knew about it. we know about it and we cannot forbear amen Bible says in James 5 and verse number 19 brethren if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. When you are an instrument of God that helps lead somebody to the ark of safety, lead somebody to the arbor of safety and refuge, call it, if you will, a church. Amen. Bring them to a place of truth. Allow their life to be nurtured by God's spirit. If you have taken the initiative to do so, then you are such a one that have saved a soul from death because of you not forbearing or waiting or restraining or just punting it off as somebody else will take care of it. You, ma'am, you, sir, you, saint of God, by your actions, by your involvement, you have kept a soul from death, one that is either drawn to death or ready to die because you did not forbear. Jeff Sanders said it like this that you may not go to hell for not being evangelism minded, but somebody will. It may not plus or minus anything concerning me, but it's going to have some type of eternal impact upon somebody else. In Jude verses 22 and 23, we're admonished. We're admonished. We must still, as it's spoken of there, of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Because let me, let me tell you something, folks. We can't necessarily depend upon the masses to reach out to us. Hear me right now. We can't necessarily depend upon the masses to reach out to us. Amen. For one reason, in many respects, they don't understand how you can be a link or a component in their deliverance. But you are. They, they don't seem to understand how the church or you as an individual that's comprised or, or attached to a church can any means be of real help to them or of really any source of deliverance to them. Moses had this problem in the Old Testament. The book of Acts tells us in Acts 7 and verse 28, the Bible says, for he, Moses, thank you, Sister Chrissy, for staying with me. Amen. For he, Moses, supposed his brethren, look at the supposition, supposed his brethren would have understood how that God, by his hand, Moses' hand, would deliver them. But they understood not. In other words, Moses was supposing they got to understand that God is going to use and I'm going to go and I'm going to go there and God's going to use me to help deliver them. You know what? Whenever Moses got there, a lot of them's wagging their head like, who are you? And what's the name of the person you're coming in? What's going on? They did not understand that Moses was going to be an instrument that God would use to help them. 
Moses thought they would understand how and understand by what means God would deliver them. God would use Moses, but they did not understand that. The people that needed the deliverance, the people that needed the help, they did not understand that. They did not understand deliverance. Those that were drawn to death, those that were ready to die, amen, they may not cry out to you for help because they don't understand that you're an integral link in helping them. They they might have the slightest idea to look to you because they don't understand this deliverance process. They don't understand that you're supposed to be an integral part of that. So I can't afford to forbear to deliver if I'm waiting on them to reach out to me because they don't understand deliverance. But God's given me understanding, so I can't forbear. I gotta reach out to them. It it shouldn't be a surprise that God would incorporate the church or if you will incorporate his body to reach for the fallen, reach for the wounded, the backslider, the sinner, whoever the classification may be. It should be no surprise because a man in New Testament scripture that had great influence over the entire New Testament, he wasn't just... His attention just wasn't arrested by God, but by a certain disciple also in Scripture by the name of Ananias. God spoke to Ananias in Acts number 9. God spoke to Ananias to go find Saul. He did not say, let Saul come find you. He said, Ananias, go find Saul. And notice, we, we, you know, sometimes we take things for granted because we see these stories in Scripture and we see the beginning, the end, we know all the details in between, and details that my people who are characters in the story didn't know. And so since we know all the ins and outs from beginning to end, sometimes we just, I don't know, we do it, that we just assume that they knew it too, but in reality, they didn't. Notice that God did not tell Ananias that he had already spoke to Saul. He doesn't say, hey, he was on his way to Damascus. I struck him down. We had a little conversation. So, no, no, he didn't say that at all. He didn't tell him about knocking him off his beast and illuminating a light about him and striking him with blindness. No. But God did tell Ananias that Saul was praying. And God gave Saul God gave Saul a vision of you, Ananias. God didn't tell Ananias how God had already dealt with him, but he said, the man's praying, and I've given him a vision of you. And, and so, Ananias, he's got this vision of you. Amen. <laughs> so listen, they may not be just associated with you with their deliverance but know well that if they become prayerful if they become prayerful about it they might not understand how you're involved in this deliverance but if they have an inkling to become prayerful about it begin to talk God about their life amen know well that if that happens God is going to point them to you the church someone hear me right now 
They might not understand all the dynamics and all the intricacies, how all this works, but God's able to lay upon their spirit. You need to look to the church. If they're being prayerful about it, if they're giving this some consideration and they're going to point, he's going to point them to the church. And so it is vitally important then that the church not forbear. See, God is interested in using his church if she'll be used. God is interested in doing some great and tremendous things through the church. Listen to me. It's his desire, healings and miracles to take place through his church. Salvation and the extending of hand to those that are broken and confused happen through his church. It's his desire if she will be, if she will not forbear. It's his will to do it. So God is interested in using his church. Not only will he deal with the hearts of humanity, but he wants us not to forbear to deliver. Listen now, when we recognize that there's a need here. Now look, Ananias, bless his heart, being human, he's trying to present a good case why he should not go to Ananias. Now God, I've heard that there's people that's had interaction with this man and uh, they just have a monument stone for their memory now. I know people that's had interaction with this man and they're no longer alive. They're six feet under and he's getting his good, his good argument together why he shouldn't go. But God was, he was very constant and insistent. Ananias, go. He's been praying. And he's expecting you. And the Bible says in Acts 9 and verse number 17, and Ananias, after this conversation with the Lord, the Lord's final powerful words, go! Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way. So evidently the Lord let him know something along the way. As thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Hananias, you cannot forbear when God has sent you. For one thing, if God has sent us and he has sent the church, you don't have to wait for a personal visitation in your house for God to tell you go. He's already told us and the disciples before he ever left the world to go. So we don't have to wait for a formal invitation. It's already been granted. And to do anything other than that is blank disobedience. Amen. Unto the Lord. God sent Ananias for two purposes. That Saul might receive his sight. A physical Problem, and that he might receive the Holy Ghost, a spiritual answer as well. And I like what Ananias told Saul when he found him. He said, the Lord, even Jesus has sent me to you. I want you to understand you're not on some galley mountain trip on your own, reaching out, searching, trying to help, trying to uplift, trying to drag back, trying to deliver. You understand this well. When you go, the Lord, even Jesus has sent me to you, you that are hurting and lost, you that are nigh dead, you that are ready to die, God has sent me on your trail. Amen. What would have been the end result? I don't know. What would have been the end result if Ananias 
decided he would refrain. If Ananias decided he would forbear. Would Saul not have been healed or converted? I'm just throwing that out there. Maybe. Or perhaps God would have sent somebody else. Possibly. Bible says in Esther 4, in verse 14, Esther finding herself in a very peculiar setting of life. I doubt that she would have ever in her lifetime had dreamed that she would be where she was positionally at this time. But something's going on. There's been a, there's been a decree has been stamped in, with the signet of the king that the Jews on a certain day are going to lose their life. That's her people. But they're among a land right now, not their people. And she hasn't been into the presence of the king beyond many days. And there is a law that says that if she goes in and he doesn't extend the scepter to her, that she could lose her very own life. And the words that are spoken here, Mordecai speaking, I believe, to Esther. The Bible says in Esther 4.14, If thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And look what Mordecai is causing her to ponder and consider. Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Esther, has it, ever, has it ever entered your mind? I know along the way you've kind of been a little bewildered and awestruck that I can't believe I'm where I'm at positionally. I, I can't believe that I'm living in the palace of a king with the royal dignities and with all the privileges and the perks of being a queen. I, that just is just all encompassing. It, it just wows me to think that, you know, I've been basically for some time about father and mother and have been reared by my uncle and he's over. And now to be staged and presented in such a place, this is just overwhelming and wonderful. And I can't say I have not enjoyed, you know, some of the privileges and the perks of all this. And Mordecai, just tugging on her her coattail if you will bringing her back to a reality uh, do you not understand Esther that the reason you are where you are right now and the privileges have been extended to you the means and ways that they have been extended to you is for you to be doing something right now in this moment that you would it was setting you up for this pivotal point in time to take action I tell the church today that sometimes whenever I look over my life and see the goodness of God upon my life and how he has touched my brow and healed my body when doctors didn't know what was going on and how he provided for me financially through years that I was scraping around and eating Vienna sausages and such on the road. All of this thing just all struck and bewildered by God that man I kind of enjoy that thing. Man that feels pretty good. That's great God. But could it be that God was positioning me all along the way with all the bounty and the privilege that he's allowed to come into the life of the church at times for us to come to a place that whenever the need is there, someone who's drawn to death, ready to die, he's positioned us where we are with the stories we have of his bounty and goodness so we could act and not forbear to deliver. Come on now, come on now. Oh, yes. Who knows? 
Ghost, if thou art come to the kingdom this morning for such a time as this. Esther, you've been raised in the regal honors. By the overruling providence of God, you're set where you are, Esther. Don't fear the miscarriage of the enterprise that God's calling on you right now. But if God's designed you for it, he'll surely bear with you through it and give you great success. The Bible says in Acts 27, in Acts 27, Paul's on a ship with other prisoners headed to Rome with accusations set against him that he has been tried along the journey and along the way. He's given his testimony more times than you can almost count in Scripture of that we know and probably some that we don't know because people seem to visit him daily at times where he was incarcerated or chained to a guard and he's always testifying about the Lord. As a matter of fact, history says that there was a lot of conversions that even took place uh, with the, the, the soldiers that were chained to him because his testimony was so powerful, so fluent and true that he began a conversion of many of those that stood guard him. And so he's headed to Rome with, with accusations. The vessel that he is on, it meets shipwreck in Acts chapter 27. And the soldier's plan was this. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. Because to the soldiers, this made, this made sense to them absolutely. Amen. To kill the prisoners. Because the Roman military law stated as such, it decreed that a guard who allowed his prisoner to escape was subject to the same penalty the escaped prisoner would have suffered. And in the case of most of these prisoners that were upon the ship, they were all, by and large, going to see death. And so if you were a soldier and those prisoners were under your care and they escaped, then you would suffer whatever they would have suffered. The soldier would die. So he's thinking to himself, let's kill the prisoners because we don't want anybody to get in the water, get to land and escape because our life is going to be required if that happens. But the Bible says in Acts 27, the centurion wishing and wanting to save Paul Kept them from their purpose. In other words, we're not going to kill these prisoners. We're not going to kill all these here. He says he's wanting to save Paul. He didn't want Paul to die. He says so. So wanting or desiring to save Paul, he said let's keep, keep all these other soldiers from their purpose of wanting to kill these soldiers. So God gave Paul favor in the eyes of this Roman centurion. And that favor kept Paul and all, everybody say all, that kept Paul and all the prisoners alive. Which was fulfillment of the word that Paul had spoke whenever he said, God has granted you all. All of those that are here with me, that sell with me, God has granted all of them unto me. God's word never fails. Now consider, listen to me right now. So the centurion wanting to save Paul, saved him, but by doing so, all the prisoners were saved. It was on the boat, 276 scripture says we're upon the boat let me ask you a question is it possible for God to favor a man enough to save him and by doing so his life would help save and ensure the safety and salvation of others let 
me ask you that again. Is it possible for God to have a favor upon a man enough to save him? And by doing so, there's something that just is in the, the understanding of God that if I can save him, the influence and possibility of his life being a hand in others' lives to get them to safety and salvation. Yeah, you better believe it. So I'm saying to the church, we cannot forbear to deliver because perchance, Bishop, God has saved me that I might be a key to somebody else's salvation and somebody else's deliverance who are yet drawn to death and ready to die. Why am, on a, why am I on a boat, Lord? Why didn't they listen to my words when we should have stayed in the harbor? And now we're being turned and twisted about and all this great stuff has come up on my life. Why are we lightening the ship and even throwing over things necessary? Because Paul, I'm putting you in a position. I'm putting you in a place that I can save you, but by doing so, where you've been, what you've went through, and who's in connection with you, their lives can be impacted and influenced by your salvation. I cannot forbear as the church. God knows according to Proverbs, and he not just there, but other places. God knows our hearts. God knows our motives. God knows us. God knows our intentions. He knows when we could have acted and we did not act. He knows when we have a desire to do more, but it seems like there's circumstantial things that prevent us from doing so. God knows both sides to that coins. He knows when the results didn't meet our expectations. When we tried, whenever we reached forth and it didn't happen like we would have liked for it to happen. Amen, he understands that. But ultimately the Bible says, and I'm coming quickly to a close, the Bible says he, God in Proverbs, will render to every man according to his Works. If you'll stand with me this morning. Bishop, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, chapter 14 and verse 13. It says, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works everybody say works and their works do follow them listen as a church as individuals evangelism is a lifetime pursuit it's a lifetime pursuit and in the book of Revelation, he's telling them. He said, these that, these that have died in the Lord, say if the Spirit let them rest from their labors, he said, their works shall follow them. Our works shall follow us. When we get to heaven, our works will follow us. Just consider, all right, for a moment. 
Can you imagine in heaven someday lines composed of people following after you? Lines composed of people that are following after you that were at some point in time in their life drawn to death and ready to die but they're following behind you as works unto you in heaven because you chose not to forbear to help deliver them I can't take anything out of this world into the next world Bishop said it a thousand times over the years but people how are there going to be works following me if perhaps the works that will follow me are those I forbade not to deliver while I was yet in this life. I declare this morning for First Apostolic Church and the church at as a whole, let there be a host of people behind me. Let there be a host of people behind you and members of this church someday in heaven. Let's clear ourselves of the indictment that may be against the church, the accusation that may be throughout all eternity that God, I did not forbear to help deliver those that were drawn to death and those that were ready to die. Besides God, you know my heart. You know my intent. You know when the opportunity was there and I ignored it and I shrugged it off. And you will render to every man according to his works. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.